Thank you, John. Appreciate it. I am Chris Cuomo, and welcome to Primetime. We all know that we are under attack, and our president is absent at best and part of the problem in the main. We have cyber attacks from abroad, from Russia, and they are being ignored. We have political broadsides from within that this president underscores. Even the vaccine he celebrated. Distribution is faltering, and he is nowhere. Cronies are doing more planning on how to make things worse than to help deliver the drug that can make things better. Proof. Listen to me now. We have no choice but to win this election. They're going to try to steal it. They're going to try to buy it. They're going to do everything they can, lie, cheat, steal to win this election, like they did in the presidential election. Are you going to fight to make this election right? We're going to fight hard. What can y'all do on January 6th? Madison said y'all had tricks up your sleeve. We're going to run to it at the airport. We've got to get away for us. Well, you see what's coming. You've been reading about it in the House. The Democrats are not going to bring it We're going to do it. You know, this isn't some halftime talk. You know, we're going to have to tackle. We're going to have to deal with the fact that this matters. And that's a senator-elect, Tommy Tuberville of Alabama. He was a football coach. But now he's playing politics and making his new opponent democracy. There he was in Georgia signaling a baseless challenge that when Congress comes together to certify the Electoral College next month, something's going to happen. And of course, no bad deed goes unpraised. Trump calling Tuberville a great champion and man of courage, saying more Republican senators should follow his lead. You mean lie? You mean put you before the country or democracy? Let me be clear about what they should say, but they won't. You are wrong. You have proven only your perfidy and you have no honor. You have reduced your office in a way that I'm not sure this country recovers from anytime soon. But you're not going to hear that. It's bad enough that I say it. Believe me, it comes with a price. But courage is not spinning BS. It's standing up to it. And if you'll notice, Senator McConnell, other leaders on what used to be the GOP are silent. And therefore, I submit to you, complicit. While Retrumplicans destroy from within, they ignore the real threat from the virus and from abroad. Trump's own former Homeland Security advisor is putting him on blast. Tom Bossert warns this suspected Russian hacking of our federal agencies is ongoing and its magnitude is hard to overstate. He says Trump must take action. You're not going to hear that from anybody who's still in there, though, right? Where is their loyalty? Why do they raise their hand and take an oath about anything other than him? However, when it comes to what to do in the face of Russian torment, Trump being absent may be our best play because in his last effort, he chose Putin over patriotism. My people came to me, Dan Coates came to me and some others. They said they think it's Russia. Uh, I have uh, President Putin. Uh, He just said it's not Russia. I will say this. I don't see any reason why it would be. I'm told the football coach senator is Tuberville not Tuberville. So what? You're going to know his name fine because he's going to be among those who must be remembered for doing the wrong thing with power they were given for people, not for Trump. Now, luckily, President-elect Biden assured Americans today that he's not going to stand idly by in the face of cyber assaults on our nation. We'll see. Here's what I can tell you right now. Biden will not be enough. America needs all her might, left and right to take on the perils of the pandemic and of geopolitics and, frankly, domestic politics. The only remedy for us right now, it's not going to be as good as a vaccine, but it's all we have. We have to show what is right and wrong. Both. You must show people who do the job right and show those who do the job wrong. It's the only way we're going to get out of this. You have to make hard times better And you have to stop those who are making them worse. And on that list of worst, Mitch McConnell has to come first. He delayed aides for months in deference to defending companies from litigation from sick workers. That's the truth. And now he has the unmitigated gall to say this. They've waited and suffered 
and some have died while needless political games have played out. Struggling Americans don't just need action. They need action fast. Fast. There was never a plan that was presented to the Democrats that they could have without that liability waiver until now. The hungry have been hungry for months, and McConnell is a reason why. And the reason I say until now is because you have to know why he's changing now. It is not for the hungry because he would have done it sooner. It is for him and the Trumplicans looking to win in Georgia. He just admitted as much in a phone call that came out. We need relief. We're getting killed with it in Georgia. Why? Georgia matters. You lose Georgia, they lose the Senate. Biden would have no one trying to sabotage his efforts with any success. I get the risk to McConnell's power, but our process can't be like this anymore. I know you expect it, but that doesn't make it right. You have to expect better again. You have to be open to disappointment. You have to be open to getting hurt for wanting better, because otherwise we're only going to get worse. Power must be for the people, not personal position. We got to wake up to our existential threats and hold the people in power to account who are not doing their jobs to protect you from them. They hold positions of honor. They are called honorable for a reason, and they don't live up to it anymore. And that is a disgrace that you can't tolerate. When will these men and women remember that when they raise their hand, their oath is to country, not fealty to Trump? Now, former New Jersey Republican Governor Chris Christie is a big deal in that party. And he is singing a different tune from the choir when it comes to COVID. He just put out a PSA to warn Americans, don't do what I did. Not easy to say in politics, by the way. Christie is saying, I didn't wear a mask. I got COVID. I ended up in the ICU. And you might, too, if you ignore the guidelines and the science. Now, you remember him from Jersey running for president, led the Trump transition in 2016. But it is time for transition again. And I welcome the governor back to primetime. Governor, thanks for joining us. It's good to see you looking well. How are you feeling? Feeling very good, Chris. Back to 100 percent. Good. Thank God for that. Best to you and the family. Um, First, one beat and then I want to get to the ad. What do you say to members of your parties who are in Congress, who are even contemplating doing something on January 6th to disturb the certification of the Electoral College? Chris, you know, whenever anybody loses an election, party, an individual, there's great disappointment. But elections have consequences. And this one was clearly won by President-elect Biden uh, by the same margin uh, in the Electoral College that uh, President Trump won four years ago, and by even more, nearly double uh, the popular vote. Uh, This election, there's been no evidence put forward um, that's shown me as a former prosecutor um, that there was any fraud that would change the result of the election. And so it's time for us to accept that defeat. Also, by the way, accept the many victories we had that night, 14 new House members, um, two legislatures in the state level switched, and a governorship flipped to the Republican Party. We had a great night, except at the top of the ticket. And so we need to accept that and we need to move on. And now the quick response from who I call the Retrumplicans would be, Rhino, you're a Republican in name only. You're not loyal. You're not about us anymore. What do you say to them? What I say is I'm a, I'm a person who relies on the facts. And, 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 you know, the facts are that every one of these lawsuits has been thrown out of court, not because these judges and certainly not the justices of the Supreme Court lacked courage. It's because the claims lacked evidence. Believe me, Chris, if there was evidence there that I believed showed that this election was stolen from President Trump, I'd be on your show tonight yelling and screaming that this... But you got to fight based on the facts. And so name calling won't change anything at this point. Why do you think name the president won't change anything? Why do you think the president persists, Governor? You know, I don't think I've known him for 20 years and he's a friend of mine. Um, this is who he is. Um, he was not going to accept losing lightly or easily if losing came. And that's what's happening. But I think most of his friends now have either said to him directly, personally, and or publicly, that uh, it's time to move on from what was a, a difficult defeat, but a defeat nonetheless. Is it hard to be friends with somebody who you know is lying about something as serious as an election being rigged? 
and saying that there's proof, that it's proven, that it happened, that he won, and you know he knows that's all bullshit? Chris, listen, I've been his friend for 20 years, and, and I think you know this about me. Um, I stand next to friends even when they're wrong, even when they make mistakes. Um, you pointed out, and I've been very vocal from election night forward, that if you're going to claim there's fraud, you got to show me the evidence. And that's what friends do. Friends tell other friends when they're wrong. Friends tell other friends when they have a different point of view. I've said that publicly and privately. I'll continue to say it. Um, but it doesn't erase 20 years of friendship that I have with the president. I'm not that kind of guy. I'm the kind of guy who stands up and next to their friends, even when they're wrong. But I'll tell them when they're wrong. And I believe that. And that's what I've done in this circumstance, because the president's had his chance to prove these things in court. And they just not proven. Now, you are uh, taking a different path than he took when it comes to the pandemic. Um, no reason to hide it. I immediately reached out to you when I heard uh, you were sick. I care about you and your family. I wanted to make sure you were going to be okay. Uh, and you had us worried, but you pulled through. Thank God. You came out of that and said, I'm not playing with this anymore. I should have worn a mask before. I'm going to say it now. You're putting out a couple of different ads about this. I want to play one now for the, for the audience. Here. This message isn't for everyone. It's for all those people who refuse to wear a mask. You know, lying in isolation in ICU for seven days, I thought about how wrong I was to remove my mask at the White House. Today, I think about how wrong it is to let mask wearing divide us, especially as we now know you're twice as likely to get COVID-19 if you don't wear a mask. Because if you don't do the right thing, we could all end up on the wrong side of history. Please wear a mask. The line that grabbed me in that was the wrong side of history. You could have ended it different ways. You could have said you may wind up sick or worse. Your family may miss you. You said the wrong side of history. Why? Because I think that we'll look back on this pandemic for decades to come and see what we did right and what we did wrong. Now, let me be clear, Chris, and you know this um, because we talked all during this pandemic um, I wore a mask for seven months. That's how I stayed healthy. I wore a mask. I socially distanced. I washed my hands 10, 12 times a day. It was just those four days when I went into the White House. I was tested every day when I went in. And I was under the impression that that was a safe place to take your mask off. The message that I want to try to convey in that ad is there is no safe place from this virus that even in the place in the world that was getting tested more than any other place, there's not a safe place from the virus. And so it's not just that I didn't wear a mask before, I wore a mask before, but I let my guard down for just four days and that put me into the ICU. I want folks to understand that in these next number of months before people are vaccinated, that we need to not let our guard down for a minute. There's no place to hide from this thing and you do not want to get this virus. You may get lucky and have very little symptoms, but you may get unlucky and you might wind up dead. And so to me, the risk isn't worth taking. And I want people to hear me say that the day, those four days when I didn't put my mask on, um, that was a mistake and I was wrong and I paid the price. I think you're doing the right thing. That's why I'm having you on the show about it. I applaud the message, especially coming uh, from a Republican and one who's been close to this president. Let's talk about why they're not wearing a mask, which will be the criticism of you putting out the ad. It'll be, oh, yeah, you didn't wear the the mask when you were around Trump because, you know, he didn't want you to because they're all about the no Trump, but no mask. Mask is weakness. So you went in there, go along to get along and you got sick. And that's why they won't wear masks, because they believe if you're for him, you don't wear a mask. No, not the case. Wasn't the reason I didn't wear the mask. There were six other people. In the room and I said, everybody I had a mask with me. And I said, has everybody in this room been tested? And everybody said, yes, we've been tested and we're negative. So I asked the question. And remember, Chris, when I walked in the White House every day for four days, I was tested. The first thing you did when you walked through the gate was get taken to the Eisenhower building, go to the medical unit, get swabbed. And you didn't go to the West Wing until you came back negative. So it wasn't that. Listen, the president and I have had plenty of arguments with each other as friends over the years and as political opponents and as political allies. Um, I fought with him for four days um, in debate prep as the guy who was playing Joe Biden 
So I had no problem fighting or disagreeing with the president. That wasn't why. I believe that all the people in that room didn't have their mask on because all of them were getting tested and all of them thought they were safe. And you know what? Six, five of the six of us in that room got COVID immediately after the debate. Yeah. So we weren't safe. And, and so it wasn't about, oh, the president doesn't like masks or whatever. That wasn't it for me at all. And I can tell you, if I haven't spoken to the people who were in the room, was that wasn't for them either. We legitimately thought, because we were getting tested, that we were safe. And so my message to people out there is, you can test negative one day, but just not be detected yet to have it. Right. Or a person you could be testing negative one day, but they could still have it and still transmit it. But they're not There's guessing no- wrong. They're not guessing wrong, Gov. I accept your explanation. I'm not chasing you on that. What I'm saying is the people that you want to reach, and I applaud you for doing it and they need you, they're not wearing because they think they're not supposed to. They think that if they wear a mask, they are capitulating to the opposition, that they are proving that this pandemic was real when really it was just about, you know, just knocking the Trump train off the tracks. That's why they're not wearing the masks. What do you say to them? Well, listen, first off, I don't completely agree with the premise. I think there are a lot of people who also don't believe the science, Chris. Now, I think that's wrong. And and that's why I give the statistic in the in the ad that you're twice as likely to get COVID without a mask as you are with one on. A statistic they've never heard from their president ever. Right. And listen, it needs to be said, needs to be said out loud, Chris. And that's why I'm doing it. So I think for the people who are not completely believing the science of mask wearing, because there was some, you know, uh, mixed signals at the very beginning, even by um, folks in the medical profession about whether or not you should wear a mask. But as they've learned this disease, they've learned that masks definitely make a difference. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying to folks is, why take the chance? Why take the risk? And my message to all the folks out there who are watching, who maybe aren't mask wearers today, is look at what happened to me. And, and I was someone who was being really careful and dropped my guard for four, four days and wound up getting very, very sick. And I don't want to see that happen to anybody else. Agreed. Take my word. The science is right here. And we need to be encouraging everybody. And Chris, we shouldn't make it political. I, I know agree. it's become well, but we as public people and trying to rise above the fray here, what I'm saying is I don't care what your political point of view is. At the end of the day, the virus doesn't ask you whether you're a Republican or a Democrat from a red state or a blue state. Mm-hmm. It just hits you like a truck. It hit you like a truck. You know what it's like. It hit me like a truck and put me in the hospital. You know, people need to understand that. And that's why I'm out there doing it. I want to try to take the politics out of this as much as we can. And for these next five or six months as we're getting vaccinated, let's put on a real effort to do this so that we lose as few lives as possible. I applaud you trying to keep the politics out of it. You are right to do that. And on my last question, I will do the opposite. Uh, Should we take this ad as an indication of this is the kind of leader Governor Chris Christie is. This is the kind of leader this country is going to need. And you're going to run for for president in four years. Oh, God, four four years from now. I hope I'm here, Chris. I don't know what I'm going to do. But 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 to answer the first part of your question, it's always the type of leader I've been. I mean, this is who I am. I say what I think. I say it plainly and directly. Sometimes people like it. Sometimes people don't. Um, but this is who I am. But you're um, not saying that you won't run for president either. Of course not. Why would I? I wouldn't say that. I'm 58 years old, so I'm not ready to retire yet, Chris. But, but also anybody. Listen, that'd be like asking in 2012. If I came to you in 2012 after Mitt Romney lost and said to you, oh, and by the way, guess what's going to happen? In four years, Donald Trump is going to be president of the United States. <laughs> You know, trying to predict American politics in four-year chunks is a very hazardous business. I'm with you, but we'll settle on this. You are giving a message that this country is going to be very happy to hear from a member of your party. And I'm happy you're putting it out there right now, politics or not. I wish you and your family the best for the holy days. And thank you for coming on the show. Governor Chris Christie, God bless and be well. Chris, Merry Christmas to you and your family. And thanks for having me on. Everybody, please wear a mask. Governor, thank you. All right. So you got to wear the mask even until the vaccines come. Good news. Good news. A second covid vaccine just cleared a big hurdle for approval and a big vote. Better vote than the Pfizer vote could be going into the arms of Americans in days. A lot of confusion, though. I told you we were going to have problems with this rollout. And we are, in fact, 
You will not believe what I'm going to tell you when we come back about who doesn't know what is fundamental to getting this vaccine into the country. I guarantee you it's a shocker. Next. So we're less than a week in to the distribution and the vaccination effort is already struggling. Six states say they aren't getting what the White House promised. Nobody seems to have a good answer why these six, Rhode Island, Iowa, Illinois, Washington, Michigan, and Oregon, only one of which was even scheduled to get enough for those first in line by the end of the year, why are they being shorted? Why now? We're not talking a handful of doses here either. Next week's shipments are going to be cut between 30 and 50 percent. Blame Pfizer. Okay. They say no. Blame Trump. Here's their quote. We have millions more doses sitting in our warehouse, but as of now, we haven't received any shipment instructions for additional doses. The Trump administration doing what it does best. Nothing. It's a bit of a misunderstanding or, 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 uh, or a miscommunication there. Things are going as planned. This is your plan to screw it up? Tell that to, to the governors who are worried, to the first line recipients who are worried. Even the spokesperson for HHS couldn't stomach calling this according to plan. They just said it was delayed. And it raises the question, what is the plan? Who gets what and when? Why won't the White House or the CDC or General Perna, why won't somebody give us the numbers and details instead of general assurances? Now, I teased before the break, you won't believe it. So I now call people who I know very high up involved with OW, Operation Warp Speed. They couldn't tell me Who makes the decisions of who gets what in what state? I said, is it the state? No, it's not the state. Is it Perna? Well, he's more the logistics. He decides how it gets there, but he's somebody. Who? Is it the White House? They don't know. What does that tell you? So you get the lack of leadership. Then you got the real problem, which is time. It's just delayed. What does time mean? More time, more disease, more death, period. Those doses were already planned to go into the arms of those most at risk, nursing home patients. If we can't get this right with the Pfizer shots, what happens in the coming days with the Moderna vaccine? If the system doesn't work, it's not going to get better by itself, right? Remember, the first wave of Moderna shots is almost double what we're talking about from Pfizer. More to do does not make it easier to do. We're now likely just days away from getting those first Moderna shots. Great. Why? Key FDA panel today recommended it for emergency use. Chief Dr. Sanjay Gupta joins me now. Can you improve on my reporting? Do you know who says Illinois gets 152,000 and they get it in the next 10 days and this state gets about who makes that call? Well, the way that it was supposed to work, Chris, was that the states were all supposed to submit their plans Uh, to Operation Warp Speed and to the federal government in terms of basically stating, here's what we need. Here's who we are. Here's our demands. We know what you said is the first uh, group of patients, uh, people that should get vaccinated, healthcare workers and and, uh, long-term care facilities. But that's not happening. Here's how many of those people we have. So here's what we need. Right. So it, it, it is confusing. As you point out, Pfizer has said, look, we have millions of doses. They're sitting in a warehouse. We just got a statement just as you were talking, Chris, from HHS, basically saying uh, we are waiting confirmation of the 20 million doses that Pfizer has promised. That's from HHS. I don't know what that means exactly. Um, What we do know is, and I talked to Albert Bourla about this, he's the CEO of Pfizer. He said the anticipation was by the end of the year, there'd be 50 million doses of which half, 25 million, would be distributed in the United States and the other 25 million distributed around the world. So it's confusing. We're having the same issues you are, trying to get an answer as to what's happening here. Some have said maybe the weather is affecting this, this distribution plan. But there seems to be some sort of high-level miscommunication in terms of what Pfizer is saying and what HHS is saying in terms of where the doses actually are. Here's what we've both learned uh, in this business. People don't hide data for good reason. They hide it for bad reason. People love to show off and be transparent what they are proud of. 
Uh, confusion is a function of concealment. And it always is. That's why they're not telling us. That's why nobody's owning it. And we'll keep asking and keep pushing because this is going to matter. What's happening with these states now, states getting haircut, the Oregon governor getting upset about it. We're going to keep hearing this because I'm betting on us. I'm betting that people are going to want this vaccine. And the demand is not going to be the issue. The supply is going to be the issue and how it gets to them. Now, let me ask you about the news. We expected the Moderna vaccine to go this way, especially because it comes from Operation Warp Speed. Now, the benefit of that is there's better communication with Moderna than Pfizer, right? You have more intimate connection because they were part of the program. So does that mean that Moderna represents a better efficiency model for us? Yeah, are you talking about in terms of distribution overall? Um, Perhaps, because it is all, as as you point out correctly, Pfizer had basically decided to say, hey, look, we'll let you buy the doses, but we're going to handle the distribution sort of ourselves. Uh, Moderna's all under Operation Warp Speed, as you point out. I think that that would make the case that perhaps, given that it's all under one roof, maybe it makes it easier, Chris. But I got to tell you, I don't know exactly what the Mm. problem is here. We haven't identified the real problem with the distribution here. Is there a larger problem? I mean, we we anticipated certain things, like what we saw in New Mexico, where the temperature was off on some of the thermal slippers, uh, the packaging that arrived there, and they basically had to toss out some of those doses. We anticipated the cold storage sort of limitations here. But right now, in terms of, you know, what sounds like hundreds of thousands, if not millions of doses, where, where they are, where they're going, why they're not being distributed, will that problem be obviated because it's all under Operation Warp Speed? I don't know that I can say that at this point, based on our reporting. Can you choose which vaccine you get? And is there one that you would rather take? Uh, out of these two, and obviously one is authorized, the other one's about to be authorized, sounds like. I think they're, they're pretty similar from my standpoint. I would not, uh, you know, uh, sort of uh, have a difference or, or, or a preference in terms of one or the other. I think for most people, it's going to be a question of what you can get. I mean, right now, the, the demand is obviously much higher than the supply. The Moderna vaccine will probably make its way into places maybe the Pfizer one couldn't because it doesn't require the same level of cold storage. So that's going to, you know, that's going to be a great option for people who live in those areas. But other than that, I really don't draw a distinction between these two. Sanjay Gupta, I love you, brother. Thank you for helping us get through this. Thank you you for asking the questions. They're not going to give us the answers. We're going to have to ask for them. We're going to have to demand them and we're going to have to pull them out. And the better we distribute this vaccine, the sooner we'll get better. You know, we'll get better. So we're on it. Thanks for being on the team. All right. The covid vaccines are ready, but we are squandering them. All right. And. We've got a way to go with messaging, especially in minority communities. Why? Well, they have a reason to distrust. There's a bad history with what gets offered to those communities in terms of safety, especially if they're getting any kind of preference. Often they don't get preference for good reason. So what are the facts? What are the guarantees? Dr. Anthony Fauci, Surgeon General, Dr. Jerome Adams joined D. Lemon and Chief Dr. Sanjay Gupta for a new CNN town hall tomorrow night. It's called The Color of COVID, the vaccines, tomorrow, 10 Eastern. All right. Now for us, one of Trump's own former top advisors is saying enough with the BS. You want to look at a real problem. Look at the cyber attack from Russia. We've never seen anything like it. So we have brought in two former top U.S. intelligence officials. Why is this so bad? How do they know And what should the response be? Let's get the reality, the facts, the inside of what we're dealing with. And then we'll understand this silence from the man on top. Next. Trump's own administration calls this suspected Russian hack a, quote, grave threat to everything from the Pentagon to the local governments and almost every Fortune 500 company. I have never heard anything like that from them. Andrew McCabe, welcome back to primetime. Uh, we are Thanks, waiting Chris. on somebody else. If we can get them on, we'll get them on. Now, uh, am I exaggerating context or are they sounding the alarm in a different way in terms of depth and degree here? No, you're not exaggerating it. They are sounding the alarm in a different way because this is a fundamentally different attack than anything we've seen in the cybersphere to date. And I say that for two reasons. One, because of the scope of it. It's just absolutely massive. The company that's been, that was infiltrated and whose products then delivered the 
the back door to the Russians. It's estimated that 18,000 entities have been affected by this compromised uh, update that they sent out to their customers. And two, because this has been an incredibly successful um, uh, third-party attack. So the Russians were smart enough not to go after our companies and our government entities that are prepared to look for that sort of probing activity. So they kind of went in through a third-party actor with trusted relationships who's able to get them inside. Now, what did they attack and what did they get and why are we so worried? So this is an attack on a company called Solar Winds, located in Austin, Texas. Solar Winds makes a product called Orion that many, many companies and entities use to do network management sort of stuff. And like any company that you rely on to, to, to purchase software from, you also go to them for updates of their project of their product. So the Russians were able to get inside of Solar Wind and able to corrupt the actual updates that were being delivered to government entities and to private sector entities across across the globe. Uh, and so that was really the, um, the genius of this attack. It was a way to get into virtually everywhere in a product that was widely used. So where is the outrage from the electeds and the insiders within the intelligence community? How come we're not being bombarded um, with pressers about what they're going to do and here's what's going to happen and this is what happens when you mess with us? Where is all that? Well, I'm sure there's outrage in the intelligence community and certainly back at the FBI who's responsible for investigating these sort of hacks. But really, it is incumbent upon our elected representatives. So first and foremost, of course, the president and his folks in the White House and the National Security Council to get out there and message strongly and definitively that we are not going to accept this sort of hostile activity from the Russians or from anyone and that we will respond in kind. And so far, it's been mm. absolutely critical on that count. Uh, we got Michael Daniel, former cybersecurity coordinator and special assistant to President Obama. He's now the president and CEO of Cyber Threat Alliance. Thank you for joining us. Yep. Thank you for having me. Uh, are you especially worried about what they did here? And are you especially concerned at the lack of outward response from the government? Well, I'm certainly concerned about the activity. I mean, the kind of activity that we're talking about, the breadth and scope of uh, an espionage campaign at this scale, certainly the level of national and economic security uh, damage could be immense. Um, I certainly think that probably part of the government's problem is it's just even struggling to understand uh, what has happened. Um, it's, it's very difficult to get your arms around these kinds of in incidents. Um, now, people at home will say, this is what happens. You do it. They do it to us. It happens. You always want to make us worried. But this is the state of play. Uh, you know, this is just more of the same. Is that a fair nonchalance, Mr. Daniel? Well, I certainly think that it is in the realm of spying that does go on. But it's done at a scale that is kind of breathtaking and uh, audacious. But nevertheless, all the indications are that it is primarily espionage, which is the kind of activity that all nations carry out. Mm. So, Andrew, is this a sign that they're just getting better at it? Or do you think they're more brazen because they're not as worried about what we can do about it? I think it's probably a little bit of both, Chris. I think there's no question they're getting better, right? Our adversaries are working as hard on these problems as we are. So every year they get a little bit smarter. They learn from their previous attacks. They incorporate some of those things into the next round of attacks. So there's no question that's happening. Um, but that's the risk that you run by not responding publicly, is you embolden the enemy to do more, to go further, to be riskier, um, and to victimize you more uh, significantly. And I think I think I, I agree with Michael that it's tough to figure out exactly where these things are coming from and who to attribute them right away. Um, but it does seem that the intelligence community represented to Congress that they believe um, that it was likely coming from Russia. So if that's the case, they need to get out and say something. Mr. Daniel, where does this rate in terms of what you want people to know about uh, what this kind of signals about what we're heading into? Well, I think that it's another example of how difficult it is to do cybersecurity well and the fact that you can never have a 100% guarantee uh, of security, but that what you really have to think about cybersecurity is a risk management issue. You can take steps to lower the risk, 
to make it more difficult for the adversaries to do. Uh, but then you also have to be ready to deal with an incident when it occurs, because it's inevitably going to happen. Mm. Hey, um, Andrew, thank you very much for doing this. Andrew McCabe, Michael McDaniel, it's very good to have you. Thank you for joining us. I hope I have you again. Mr. McDaniel, Mr. McCabe, be well. Thank you very much. You know, you think when an election is over, well, that's it. Lame duck period. It's gone in a flash. This one's just dragging on and more and more bad things happen. Trump will be gone in 34 days, but plenty of Trumplicans will keep carrying his torch. And I keep arguing to you, he's not the threat. He's definitely the threat to them because he is their success. They've had no success except for him and through him in the minds of the Trumplicans. But what does it mean for that party and for what kind of right we see in the Biden administration? Our former state party chair has an answer that you're not going to appreciate too much in terms of whether it's going to get better or worse. She says she is no longer a Republican anymore as of tonight. Why? Next. An interesting window into where we're at right now. The former chairwoman of the New Hampshire Republican Party registered as an independent. Why? Trump. Her name is Jennifer Horn. She's also a Lincoln Project co-founder. Detailed her reasons for leaving in USA Today. Here's some of what she wrote. For the past five years, however, I found myself fighting for what I felt were the principles of my party in the face of the ever-deteriorating character and integrity of party representatives. It seems there is no assault on human dignity too great, no attack on democracy too extreme to inspire the Republican weaklings in Congress to speak up or stand up to President Donald Trump. Jennifer Horn joins us now. Appreciate you joining us. Thank you for having me, Chris. It's good to be here. You know, it's interesting in the piece you talk about not Trump starting the fire, but him basically being a turbocharger to what was already happening. What do you think the Trump effect really has been on the Republican Party? Well, it's been terribly destructive, obviously. Uh, Donald Trump uh, and, um, you know, his his idea of cruelty as policy, his embrace of of racism and misogyny and and the destructive nature uh, of his president presidency has been very destructive to the party. But more importantly, it has, you know, been a full frontal assault on democracy as we know it. It has been much more damaging to our country. Um, And frankly, Chris, if it was just Donald Trump, I might have stayed in the Republican Party and continued to fight for those principles that I thought our party stood for all these years. But it's these last four weeks seeing the entire party, the leaders of our party at every level, openly embrace the idea of overturning uh, a free and fair election, you know, that they're just ready to completely kick the pillars out from under our Constitution. So it's not Donald Trump. It's the 126 members of the House. It's the silent majority in the Senate. It's Ronna Romney McDaniel, McDaniel and everybody else at the RNC who has decided that they're going to build the future of our party on the destructive policies of a man who lost. Mm. Well, he lost, but he got a lot of votes and your party or your former party did very well. Um, You know, one of the problems uh, with his lie about the election being rigged is that a lot of those ballots that would have been rigged would have been done in a way to take away a vote from him, but give it to other Republicans down ballot. I I never heard of any kind of thief like that who will steal your jewelry, but leave the cash. Um, But the nonsense aside, it makes sense in terms of winning. You know, what you'll hear from people in your party, as you know, is, hey, man, it works. I don't like what he says. But look at how we're doing. Uh, we got more money. We got more votes. I mean, he's tapped into something. And if you go against Trump, you lose. What do you say to them? Well, first of all, they, you're right. They uh, did get more votes. But let's just remember, Joe Biden got more. The American people sent a pretty clear message in my way of looking at this. This was not a close presidential election. The Republican candidate lost by a lot. And if the party is, and I think that this is exactly what's happening, the party is clearly making a choice that they would rather embrace uh, corruption, uh, division, hatred, ugliness, 
as long as it's an avenue for them to hold on tight to some of that power that they, uh, you know, that they that they have such ambition for. In the, it's a bad strategy for the long run, for the long term. Sometimes you just have to do what's right because it's right, because it's right for the country. And I think that these, uh, you know, frankly, craven uh, choices that the party is making right now in the long run is going to uh, inflict terrible damage on the party. Um, and and I, my hope is that more people like me who have spent their lives identifying as Republicans, but look at this and see how, how wrong it is, um, will do the same thing I did, step out of the party, be, you know, become an independent voice for those values that we have, you know, sort of fought for our whole lives. The other argument is, Jennifer, look at the judges. Short term. What's more long term than what we've gotten with these judges? Three SCOTUS judges. We've got all these federal judges that we've got in there. It's a generation of jurisprudence we just secured. We would have not have done it without Trump. You got to start you keeping your eye on the ball. Otherwise, you're just some lefty come lately. Right. Uh, yeah, hard. I, I got to say, anybody who knows me uh, doesn't get away with calling me a lefty come lately. Uh, but any Republican could have appointed Republican judges. The idea that somehow Donald Trump is the savior to the conservative movement is, is just it, it's it you know, is beyond ridiculous. It's beyond hypocritical. And frankly, those people in our party who have spent their lives uh, declaring that they're conservatives and pro-life and wanting to fight, you know, for strong conservative judges, uh, they have sold their souls to a president and now a party that completely rejects any any sort of um, idea of being pro-life. Let's remember that we spent, you know, this president has spent the past year uh, ignoring a deadly pandemic. He, he had the information. He could have taken action to save hundreds of thousands of lives. And he chose out of his own selfish uh, political ambition not to do so. So, you know, spare me if I'm not uh, um, persuaded by this argument about judges. Uh, there is nothing from this president and, frankly, the party under him uh, that, that, you know, gives them the... the uh, of the authority to speak as conservatives. They gave that up. They sold their soul for that a long time ago. How many horns are there? Um, how many you, horns are there? Yeah, how many Jennifer horns are there? How many people oh, do you think God. there are? You know what? I think there are millions. Frankly, I think that there are millions, Chris. I think that, and, and I think that we saw that in what we did at the Lincoln Project, frankly, you know, over the last um, 12 months now, where it, 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 looking at this narrow group of Republicans who reject the president, reject what the party has done, and being able to persuade them to cross that line, to put their partisanship and their tribalism aside and give the better man their support. That's what we need to take from this election. That's what we need to build on if we're really going to preserve that promise that is America. Well, I'll tell you what, for all Trump's ugly talk, what McConnell is doing with delaying relief to give companies liability protection and making that issue equal to hunger is worse. And him now saying, hey, let's not delay it is worse. And him saying, let's not delay it because he thinks it's going to hurt him in those Georgia special elections is worse. Trump is a problem, but he's going to be gone and issues remain. Jennifer Horn, thank you uh, for coming on and saying things that won't make you popular with some people in your life. But I appreciate you doing it and doing it here. Thank you very much. It's It's an honor to be here with you. The honor is ours. We'll be right back. Thank you for watching, my brothers and sisters. It's time for the big show, CNN Tonight, and the big star, D. Lemon. So we're friends because we're always honest with each other, right? We are. This is a setup. Ah, no, I'm not setting you up. I'm not setting you up. I was just to say, what do you mean this is a setup? You think you know me, don't you? Yes. Yes, I do. What am I going to tell you? I don't know. I'm not a mind reader. A <laughs> I'm mindless gonna, reader. I was just going to say, Chris Christie's doing a great job of uh, rehabbing his reputation. He's on reputation rehab right now, and that's what he's doing. I didn't believe a word of what he said to you. You don't think he wants you to wear a mask? Um, he, doesn't, he, says, he says, when he says he wants you to wear a mask, what he said before is that you do that, some people do that if you want to. That's, what, that's the caveat within there. And then when it happened to him, all of a sudden he's now, maybe you should wear a mask. 
Boy, he's not maybe you should wear a mask. He's like, you got to wear a mask. He's got, you got to wear a mask. He's not maybe you should wear a mask. Uh, But I uh, hear you. I hear you. Before he was like, well, I think the country should open back up. We should do it with masks and gloves. But you can, you know, that is your own opinion about whether you do it or not. No, it's not. Not you should wear a mask. It should be mandated to wear a mask. But it's not. The science, I know, it should be. And that's, that's the point. That's what he should be saying. And he should be saying instead of, well, I have a friendship with this person and I stand by them. Well, Sunday that's different. A, that, that's different. But, that, but that's wrong. That I does, agree. That does not excuse his behavior. Because what he's doing instead of saying, you shouldn't drive, I'm taking away the keys. Right. He's getting, he got into the car with the president. He went into the that meeting thing, with him. The friend thing doesn't work for me the same way, but that's what the audience decides. Uh, yeah. The mask thing does work for me, and we'll disagree. I don't believe in a mask mandate um, in terms of a universal one for 100 days or any amount of days, except when the context warrants that all places have to be treated equally. Um, meaning, right now, if you have case explosions all over the place, okay, you can mandate it. You know, you can say everybody's got to wear a mask. Here's why. But you can't just leave it up to people because they're not doing the right thing. We have less than 50 percent compliance. The mistake was talking about a mandate when a lot of places didn't have community spread. And it allowed. Like where? Well, I mean, there were lots of time in this country up until about two and a half months ago where different portions of the country were doing all right. Uh, And they would move (laughs) up and down. I'm just saying that (laughs) you have to be careful with musts, Don. You have to be careful with musts. And it's always easier if people arrive at the right well, behavior. No, by I their don't own believe conclusion. that. I think you, ha- you must. Look, I love my mother very much. You love your mother very much. If you're going to be ar- around my mother, you must, must wear a mask. Wear a mask. Yeah. If you are going to be shopping in a grocery store with me or anywhere that the public right. is allowed to go, you must. Right. You don't need wear the government to tell you that. You, you must wear a mask. But well, you're doing you it. You somebody to the, tell you. But you're not doing it because the government made you. Uh, well, some people, maybe they should. Maybe they would get fined. How would you even enforce it? Maybe if they it? suffered some... You'd never even What do you be mean, how would it? you enforce it? Do you, do, you, do you enforce it when people speed down the highway? No, not do that you often. Enforce it, do you enforce it when people jaywalk in some cities? People do it. Just because you don't do it that often, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't try to enforce it. Just because people may not comply, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't enforce it or you shouldn't have a mandate for it. People don't... You have a mandate... To have a driver's license. Not everybody does it. You think Biden's going to make a mask you, mandate? You have, I don't know if he's going to. I don't know what Biden's going to do. Well, You're well, what does that tell him. you? I'm, t- I'm not talking about Biden. Do you I'm think the about, Democrats will try a mask mandate? I don't know. This is not about Democrats or Republicans. But I'm saying I'm saying, I'm saying you, you have a mandate it? for a lot of things that people don't do. But that doesn't mean that you should not mandate it. The only mandate we have that's anything like this other than the fact that you have to wear clothes, is when you have to wear a seatbelt and, in some states, a helmet. No, you don't. Those how are often, laws. How often do people... Oh, that's ex- you, we're making the same point. You, no, there's no law here. And there's no law here. What are you talking about? No shirt, there's no, no shoes, no, no service. Here. So why can't you say no masks, no service? How would you enforce it if someone goes into the grocery store naked? By the way, no shoes, no shirt, no service <laughs> is not a law. It's right. a private business's okay. policy. All right. If but somebody goes different. into the supermarket naked, what's going to happen? They're going to call the cops and what are they going to do? It depends how they look if I'm running the supermarket. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Most likely, it's going to be you in the supermarket. And I'm going to be like, <laughs> but you know what? Look, I'm just saying there were a lot of things that Chris Christie could have done to help the country mm-hmm. when he had the opportunity to help fewer people get sick and fewer people die. And he didn't do it. And when he got sick, he rushed to the hospital and maybe took a bed away from someone who would maybe not have been there. If he had said the president is We don't wrong. know that. We don't know that. Oh, That's yes, a tortured analysis. Yes, we do. Yes, we do know he it. He got sick. He deserved A lot the bed. of people get sick. And I'm not saying, and, and some people wear masks and they do get sick. I'm not saying he didn't deserve He the said bed, he was wearing I'm a saying, mask too, except for those I'm, few days because he was getting tested all but the time. But what does that matter? I, oh, honey, I didn't wear he the condom that one time. He says, I made a mistake. He says, I made a mistake. When you're elite, but that does not excuse him from his behavior. That does not but help. But he said that, I was wrong. What but, do you want him to that, do? I, I wanted him to say what the president did wrong. I wanted him 
to stop making excuses for the president's behavior and trying to say that his friendship somehow excuses his behavior and his wrongdoing. He's a grown man. What he should have said is, I should not have gone into that room. I should have told my friend the truth at the time. I should have distanced myself from him when he was exhibiting the wrong behavior. I don't say, Chris, guess what? I, I think my Chris, I love my friend Chris. I'm going to stand behind him and I'm going to let him drive drunk. I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to stand by you if you do the wrong thing. I'm not, not publicly. I'll say I'll be your friend. But you screwed up. Right. You did the wrong thing. Well, he's thing. saying the I'm same thing. I'm not going to get in the car with he's you. Saying no, he's this, not. He is. He said, I don't think you listened to the interview. But anyway, I he, did listen to the interview. Here's what he said. He said, I'm not going to not be friends with a guy because he does things I don't agree with. But uh, I'm going to continue to advise the person in a room not wearing masks for a debate where he's going to laugh and make fun of the person who's standing I'll on the stage you, next to him for wearing I'll a take mask. You to the pl- I'll take you to the same place, but on a different analysis, okay? Um, <clears throat> which is this. Trump is not just a friend doing things that you have an honest disagreement with, okay? Trump is lying his ass off about something <laughs> that is fundamental to our democracy, yeah. and Governor Christie knows it, and he knows Trump knows it. Yeah. He knows he, that this guy— Is he calling him out on it? Um, no. And that's why I agree with you about that, uh, that the friendship thing doesn't hold for me, because if all of a sudden I started talking about Mexicans in a way that they were a threat to America, our friendship would be over. You would come to me. You would try to explain. You know what you're saying, right? You know that it's wrong. Do you get it? Or if you don't get it, let me help you get it. Once I said, yeah, no, I get it, Don. And this is what I'm going to say, because it works for me. The friendship would be over. That's not happening here. And my opinion is that that is not uh, a compelling thing to hear from Governor Christie. But that's my opinion. I'll let other people decide. The friendship point didn't work. He is doing something, Don, that almost no one in his party is doing even after if they got the sick. After the Electoral College Even now done, they're not doing it. After the Electoral no, College. No, no, no. He was saying, saying before the Electoral uh, College, he was saying that the lawsuits weren't But there. now he's out giving interviews and speaking about it. And I think that that's about trying to get to the front of the line, doing the right thing, but trying to get to the front of the line within the party, which is, is part of politics, at least he's doing it on a positive message. These people who got sick and know why they got sick and should be telling people differently, like Mike Pence, yeah. are not doing what he's doing. Okay. That's all I'm saying. I got to go. Uh, but you don't reward bad behavior for bad behavior. And you tell people when they're wrong in the moment. That's how I feel. I do not think and, that's and in the a, moment I don't think that's a unique moment, standard. So in the moment, you're wrong right now. <laughs> you may think that I am wrong. I got it. Laughing go. the laugh of the damned. <laughs> the lemon, I love you. Day in, I day love out. You, right bro. and that's wrong. A, that's a what thing. We're always going to be honest with, with each other. I love you too. I'll see you soon. Be safe out there. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking. Call me country. Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash call me country. Max subscription required.